Geraldo Rivera's Murder in the Family comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To get more programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for the real crime series and specials you'll only find on Reels Channel. Academy Award winner Jennifer Hudson captivates audiences worldwide, both as a singer and an actress. Starting out, her young career quickly reaches incredible heights, but it just takes one phone call from home to bring her whole world crashing down. In 2008, Jennifer's elder sister, Julia Hudson, returns to her Chicago home from work, only to make a shocking discovery. She comes home. She sees that there's a bullet hole in the front door. Both her mother and brother shot. What happened? I don't know. She's on the floor. I keep going to And Julia's seven-year-old son is abducted. Amber alerts go out. Urgent pleas are made on television. I don't care who you are. Just let my baby go. He didn't do nothing to nobody. Like millions of her fans worldwide, younger sister Jennifer Hudson is rocked by the heartbreaking news. We felt like we knew Jennifer Hudson. You thought, God, if this could happen to her, it could happen to any one of us. A manhunt begins to find a murderer and kidnapper some fear is close to the Hudson family. He continually threatened her. I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to kill your family first. Chicago police surround their suspect by going high tech. But will this killer ever be brought to justice? Juries like DNA, they like physical proof of guilt. And there was not a single iota of that. One chilly October day in 2008, multiple gunshots ring out inside a neighborhood home on Chicago's south side. Before those echoes fade, two lay dead. A seven-year-old child is missing and a killer is on the run. These cold-blooded homicides topped more than 500 killings that year in Chicago, one of America's murder capitals. But these senseless crimes are tied directly to the young actress who stars on the rise, Jennifer Hudson, first made famous on the singing competition show American Idol. On that terrible day in 2008, this dream girl's world is about to become a nightmare. Julia Hudson returns home from her shift driving a Chicago school bus. Michael Benson, author, A Killer's Touch. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, she sees that there's a bullet hole in the front door, opens the door, and sees her mother on the floor. She runs outside and calls 911. Come on, please. Please, She's hysterical. She has difficulty getting the dispatcher to understand what she's saying. Does she need an ambulance? I don't know. I'm scared. Please. Alicia Quarles, former AP entertainment editor. She's begging them to please hurry up and come. She was just begging for anybody, somebody to come and help. When Julia left for work, her mother Darnell and brother Jason were home watching her seven-year-old son Julia. What happened? Is she breathing? I don't know. I didn't even touch on the of the house. Do you know what happened? Did she fall? No, I just got home from work. Just a bullet 
There's a bullet hole in our front door. Terrified after seeing her mother, she asks a neighborhood friend to check on brother Jason and son Julian. Where's my brother at? What's happening? Look at how. The friend goes in and he finds Jason dead in bed and Julian is gone. Julia Hudson is devastated. Not only is her 57-year-old mother Darnell fatally wounded, but so is her brother Jason, age 29. Her 7-year-old son Julian who stayed home on a teacher's workday, is nowhere to be found. Julian faces one of the toughest moments of her life. She calls her famous younger sister, Jennifer, now living in Florida, to tell her the tragic news about their family. The 2006 Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actress, Hudson is an American starlet at the top of her profession. We feel like we knew Jennifer Hudson. We voted for her on American Idol. And you thought, God, if this could happen to her, it could happen to any one of us. James McKay, former Illinois state attorney. She had risen to the top of her field as an actress and as a singer, and it only took one act to destroy it all. Born in 1981, Jennifer Hudson is raised in Chicago's Englewood neighborhood. Englewood's a rough neighborhood controlled by uh, street gangs, drugs, poverty. It's been a rough neighborhood for several decades and uh, for several decades has had a high crime rate. Hudson's mother, Darnell Donerson, protects her children, Julia, Jason, and Jennifer from the tough city streets by relying on her faith. Jennifer's family was deeply rooted in the church, thanks in part to her grandmother, Julia, who's very much her kindred spirit. The youngest Hudson, Jennifer, takes center stage in the church choir. And Jennifer became a soloist when she was seven years old. Jennifer's mother spoke about the fact that when she heard Jennifer sing, she could hear her mother sing, that it was emotion, pure emotion in her voice. The Hudson home also serves as a sanctuary for many in Englewood. Thanks mostly to great cooking. People remember Darnell as a fantastic mother. She made big meals for her kids, for the neighborhood. It was always a place where you could come, have a meal, sit down, laugh, talk about your day. That's how her mother expressed her love. Just down the street from the Hudson home lives the Balfours. But for younger son William, his family life in Englewood seems worlds apart. William Balfour went to the same elementary school as the Hudsons, but their lives couldn't have been more different. The Hudsons had parental support. They even had grandparents in their lives. William Balfour had none of that. He came from a, a dysfunctional family plus. His grandmother did time for manslaughter. His dad did time for murder. He was abused as a child. William inevitably learned at a very young age that hurting people was a way of solving problems. The 
Though they attend school together, a young Jennifer Hudson knows to keep a safe distance from her unpredictable neighbor. Even in sixth grade, Jennifer said that she thought William was a troublemaker and somebody that she was best off avoiding. And Jennifer's instincts are right on. Not long after leaving grade school, William's troubled young life starts to spiral out of control. William was arrested for heroin possession when he was 14 years old, and he was put into a youth detention. His mother said that she couldn't handle him anymore. She just gave up her parental rights. Her counselors at the time said that William had a chance to make it in life if they could just place him in a foster home situation. Trouble was, William was a very restless young man, and if they put him in a situation where he could run away, he did. And eventually, Balfour runs straight into trouble. William Balfour leaves his foster home and decides to make it alone on the tough Chicago streets. Because he was living on the streets so much, naturally, he ran into the welcoming arms of one of the gangs in the neighborhood. In this case, it was the Gangster Disciple. The Gangster Disciple Street Gang is one of the largest gangs in the city of Chicago, responsible for countless uh, murders, burglaries, drug cases, uh, just a slew of felonies. They are one of the biggest uh, problems facing the city of Chicago. Not long after joining the Gangster Disciples, William is charged multiple times for drug possession. But in 1998, Balfour decides to take his criminal game to the next level. Like most teenagers who are on the streets, William graduates into big boy crime. And it won't be long before William and the Hudson's paths cross again. And when they do, it's murder in the family. William was a ticking time bomb. When they reconnected, the tragedy was unthinkable. October 24, 2008. The Hudson sisters are shocked and devastated to learn 57-year-old mother, Donnell Donerson, and 29-year-old brother, Jason, are murdered in their family home, making this tragedy even more gut-wrenching. Julia Hudson's son, Julian, is missing. The Chicago police spring into action and appeal to the Southside community to help locate the Hudson boy. The authorities know because it is Jennifer Hudson's family. This case will soon go global. Academy Award-winning actress and singer Jennifer hears the news and rushes to her sister's side in Chicago. Jennifer's immediate reaction was to go home. She mobilized her team to create a $100,000 reward in trying to find her nephew. The entire city went into mourning, and to a certain extent, the entire country. The Democratic presidential candidate and his wife, both Chicago natives, send a message of hope to the Hudson family. Even the Obamas, a few days before the election, had the time to send their condolences. With the world watching, Chicago police worked tirelessly to find both a killer and kidnapper. In 1998, former Hudson classmate and gang member, William Balfour, moves from petty drug busts to something much more dangerous. 
Like most teenagers who are on the streets, William graduates into big boy crime. When he's 17, he steals a car, but as he's about to take it, the owner sees that he's in the car, comes running out and throws himself onto the car, grabs onto the rack on the roof. William takes off and they go for a ride together while the owner of the car is hanging on for dear life. Mr. Balfour continued to drive that vehicle at a high rate of speed for approximately a mile up and down the DNY Expressway. He was going down bumpy alleys and bumpy side streets hoping that the victim would uh, fall off the vehicle. William doesn't know what to do, so he, he rams the car into a telephone pole, sends his unwanted passenger flying, he's severely injured. William is charged with attempted murder and vehicular hijacking. As a result of that, Mr. Balfour received seven years in the Illinois Department of Corrections. While Balfour is selling drugs and stealing cars, across town a teenage Jennifer Hudson is getting her first job, working alongside her sister Julia at Burger King. Julia laughs recounting it because she says Jennifer would just be singing, 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 and flipping burgers and singing. People would be ordering they could hear Jennifer sing. It was clear to everybody who heard her that her future was in show business, not in flipping burgers. After graduation from Dunbar Vocational High School, Jennifer takes her talent on the high seas. She performs as a singer and actress on a cruise ship. So she thought, okay, if I can go on this cruise line and sing and act in front of all these people, I can seriously consider doing this as a career. And in 2004, Jennifer sets her sights on an even bigger stage. She flies to Atlanta to try out for American Idol. The television show American Idol was a cultural phenomenon. The amateur singing competition with judges Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul, and Randy Jackson was the highest rated show on the Fox network. Jennifer Hudson makes it through the preliminary auditions and gets invited to compete in Hollywood. What made Jennifer separate is that voice. I mean, she just has such a big voice. But her voice is soulful, so she's been called the next Aretha. She's been compared to Whitney. After weeks of stellar performances, Jennifer is ultimately eliminated from the competition, placing seven. When Jennifer Hudson was voted out, there was a ton of backlash. Some people blamed Simon, who said that she was too big in every way, too big of a voice, too big of a body, too big a personality. But thanks to her big voice, Hudson appears headed for an even bigger stage. Although it's true that Jennifer didn't make it to the Final Four in American Idol, she ended up being that year's big winner because people in Hollywood noticed her. While singer Jennifer Hudson is walking red carpets, William Balfour walks out of prison after serving seven years for attempted murder. When he got out of the penitentiary, he migrated back to the neighborhood where he grew up in. Despite his mother having left his childhood neighborhood, Balfour decides to start over in Englewood. As a 24-year-old ex-con, his options are limited. His outlook is pretty bleak. I mean, there aren't about a lot of opportunities for an ex-con in the inner city. But he manages to get a job as a baker at a restaurant. 
Five foot seven in height, he's always had a slight build. But prison life has toughened William Balfour up for life on the outside. He had spent a lot of time working out, and he came out into the free world really buff, and his street name became Flex. He also was a ladies' man. The ladies loved him, and he loved the ladies. One of those ladies is Julia Hudson, now a single mother to a five-year-old son. The two childhood classmates reconnect in the summer, and things get hot, fast. William and Julia have a whirlwind romance. They go from, I haven't seen you in years, to you want to get married in a matter of months. Despite appeals from the entire Hudson family to reconsider the relationship, Julia's love for William doesn't waver. They basically eloped. Um, only two people that were at the wedding were her uncle, who officiated it, and her son, Julian. But this match is not made in heaven. And soon the entire Hudson family will pay a terrible price. It may seem like there are sunny skies over Julianne William during the early days of their romance, but there are dark clouds brewing. Following her breakout performance on American Idol, Jennifer Hudson sets her sights on an even bigger Hollywood stage. While back in the family home on Chicago's South Side, Sister Julia begins a new chapter of her life with her ex-con husband, William. The Hudsons worry about this new addition to the family, and their instincts are dead on. After their elopement, Julia Hudson convinces her new husband and her Chicago family to live together under one roof in Englewood. William Balfour moved into the Hudson family home after the marriage, and they... They shared a bedroom on the first floor. There was tension between Balfour and his in-laws almost immediately. Jennifer Hudson did not approve of this relationship. William Balfour did not get along with Julia's mother and Julia's brother, Jason. It's clear to the Hudson family William wants to dominate his new bride, Julia. He was very, very protective. He treated her like a piece of property. He wanted to be always the center of Julia's attention. Anytime she paid attention to anybody else, he became jealous. If he was away from her for any amount of time, he was convinced that she was flirting with other men. And one little boy demands constant attention from Julia, her only son, Julian King. Julian was smart. He loved books. I mean, he called himself Dr. King because he was just so book smart. He was doted on. Jennifer called him Tug-A-Bear. His mother called him Juice Box. But for an increasingly possessive Balfour, even a child's love is seen as a threat. When Julia would show affection for her own seven-year-old son by giving him a hug or a kiss, William Balfour would say inappropriate things. From 14 years old, he had been in and out of prison. He never had any parenting of his own. So he probably saw this woman as being my wife, my mother, my sister, my everything, and saw Julia as competition. Within months of being married, 
William Balfour wrestles with his inner demons. It's only a matter of time before his distrust starts to interfere with his ability to love. He's a powder keg ready to blow. Despite her controversial ejection from American Idol, Jennifer Hudson decides to capitalize on her television exposure. She says that she's glad she didn't win in hindsight because it made her more tenacious, it made her go harder, and she started auditioning and eventually got that role in Dreamgirls. Starring Jamie Foxx and Eddie Murphy, the motion picture Dreamgirls features top singer Beyonce Knowles in the leading role. Set in the 60s and 70s, the story follows three Motown singers in their struggle for fame and fortune. But it is Jennifer Hudson who steals the show, playing the singer Effie. If you watch her in that performance, it gives you chills. Jennifer Hudson's performance just eclipsed Beyonce's, eclipsed Eddie Murphy's, eclipsed Jamie Foxx's. For Jennifer Hudson to do that in her first film role, it was was mind-boggling. And the awards for Hudson start to tumble in. A SAG, a Golden Globe, and finally the coveted Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. The Oscars, you can liken it to the Super Bowl. If you are an entertainer, if you're an actor, it's the ultimate prize. And for Jennifer, you know, she is one of seven African Americans to win an Academy Award. It seems like all of Hollywood, if not the world, was celebrating Jennifer Hudson's Dream Girl performance. Returning home to Chicago, Jennifer continues the celebration with family and friends. By winning the awards, Jennifer becomes the pride of South Chicago. She's the pride of of Englewood. And one new family member is on hand to party alongside his victorious sister-in-law. There's a picture of Jennifer holding her Oscar and William holding a bottle of champagne, celebrating. I think from his perspective, If anybody from your community, your hood, makes it, we all celebrate. On the flip side, I think he was very resentful. Jennifer would buy Julia a lot of gifts. He was upset because Jennifer was providing things that he couldn't provide. In 2007, William and Julia start to have hostile arguments at the Hudson home. As William and Julia's arguments became more raucous and and potentially violent. Jason and Darnell would step in and intervene, but William only saw this as them getting in his business. And they then became the target of his wrath. Feeling alienated in his own home, Balfour's anger poisons his relationship with Julia. William's inability to trust drove a stake through the marriage. And pretty soon, William is threatening Julia, saying really horrible, ugly things. William threatens to kill the entire Hudson family and Julia last. Now Julia doesn't have to just worry about her own safety, she has to worry about the safety of all of her loved ones. And that's the final straw. After that, she kicks him out. Now homeless and estranged from his wife, Balfour fumes. And now he's losing the only family he's ever known, the only extended family, and he felt the ultimate rejection. So he's out on the streets. He has no moral compass at all now because there's nobody holding him accountable. Out on his own, 
Balfour becomes even more fixated on his wife. And even though he's seeing other women, he never loses his obsession with Julia. Neighbors and friends kept seeing him around the Hudson house, peering into Julia's bedroom window. He would talk to them asking, is she dating anyone? If she is, I'm going to hurt her. I'm going to kill them. William's the sort of man who sees his wife like a possession. So that when he's rejected, he just becomes furious. The stalking is, is a symptom of his obsession. And William feels compelled to reveal his feelings to anyone within earshot. One of William Balfour's problems was that he was sharing too much of his marital life with other people. He was telling people in the neighborhood about his desire to get rid of the people he hated, his in-laws. Uh, and he was uh, having arguments with his wife outside, on the streets, in the park where Juliet would take her son, Julian, uh, to play. People could hear these threats. Even though Balfour becomes increasingly hostile toward her and the Hudson family, Julia is not moved to act. Julia never really took William's threats seriously. This is somebody she'd known since her childhood. Yes, she saw this terrible side of William, but she also saw a loving side. She married him. But what Jennifer Hudson's sister does not see is the anger growing inside William Balfour. It turns out to be you know, a fatal mistake. What was building inside William was a murderous rage. If you like what you're hearing, check out the Real Crime TV series on Reels Channel. You'll find chilling true stories of capital offenders brought to justice like Chris Watts, the Colorado killer dad, the Turpins, whose children grew up in a real-life house of horrors, and a new report on the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Then check out Reels' medical mystery series, Autopsy, that reveals what really killed screen and music legends like Patrick Swayze, Audrey Hepburn, Prince, and Tom Petty. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. Julia Hudson and ex-con husband William Balfour grapple with an explosive relationship. Julia's kicked Balfour out of the house, and now he's making threats. The Hudsons, including Academy Award-winning sister-in-law Jennifer, agree the volatile William should not be ignored. But older sister Julia feels he is just crying wolf. Sometime in the late summer, early fall of 2008, someone breaks into the Hudsons' home and steals keys and Jason's gun. Brother Jason Hudson owns a 45 caliber handgun for protection in the tough Southside neighborhood. It's never reported to the police, but the Hudsons internally believe that William must have done it. After the home invasion, Jennifer Hudson pleads with her mother to leave Englewood. Jennifer obviously had plenty of money. She took care of her family. She wanted them to be safe. But her mother very much felt like this is my home, had a sense of pride. Darnell Darnerson feels connected to her community and her church and decides to remain in her Southside home. It turns out to be you know, a fatal mistake. 
Friday morning, October 24. Julia Hudson is getting ready for work when she hears a knock at her window. It is William Balfour. She ushers him into the house. Once inside uh, Julie Hudson's bedroom, he sees that Julie had received sweetest day balloons and flowers. The balloons are a birthday gift from Julia's new boyfriend. This upset William Balfour greatly. They got into a marital argument. Because he was about to get loud, she ushered him out of the house as she was leaving from work. Minutes later, neighbors think they hear multiple gunshots coming from the Hudson home, but it goes unreported to police. Unfortunately, because the neighborhood was a rough neighborhood, uh, nobody had called 911 at that time. Gunshots were heard in that neighborhood all the time. When Julia Hudson arrives home that afternoon, she alerts 911 that her mother has been shot. What happened? Is she breathing? I don't know. I didn't look like I was running up the house. Do you know, do you know what happened? Did she fall? No, I just got home from work. There's a bullet hole in our front door. Later, Julia learns her son Julian is missing. And Jason Hudson's white suburban SUV is stolen. When the police arrived, they asked Julia... Who could have done this? She immediately responded, William Balfour. And this is due in large part to all of the threats that he had made to her for several months. There was a citywide search for the child. After the Chicago Police Department puts out an amber alert for Julian, they start to track down Balfour using his mobile phone. Because a kidnapping is involved in the Chicago police are able to contact the phone carrier for that telephone number and do a triangulation of that cell phone. Within hours, police locate Balfour shacked up at his new girlfriend's house on Chicago's west side. When the police entered that home, William Balfour attempted to flee. Uh, he was caught almost immediately. He was placed under arrest. Balfour is taken into custody and sent to a police interrogation room for an interview. As the DA assigned to the Hudson case, Jim McKay monitors Williams' processing and questioning. A video camera was turned on and the interview of William Balfour was videotaped. The clothes that he was wearing was inventoried. Uh, other clothes that he had that day were found in this girl's apartment. They were inventoried. Balfour's provided a coat and gown, and then police questioned him pointedly about the Hudson murders and Julian King's disappearance. I don't know what he did. I don't. Last time I seen him was the last time I seen him on phone. It was my little green machine. That's it. William says, I have no idea where the boy is. I love him. I hope he's okay. He says, yeah, I did go there early this morning. Uh, I had, I might have had an argument with my wife. That's what we do. After Julia left for work, Balfour explains he left the Hudson home in his beat-up Chrysler Concord, but it stalled out. Got on an elevated train, took it to a bus stop, took a bus to my girlfriend's house, and I was miles away from the Hudson house at the time of the murders. 
As Balfour sits in custody, please check out his story. While arriving back in Chicago, actress and singer Jennifer Hudson must face the unthinkable. Ultimately, it fell upon Jennifer to identify the bodies at the county medical examiner's office. Jennifer identified her mother's body and her brother's body. And she's gone on record as saying, she said, yeah, that's my mommy, when she saw her mother. The Hudson's only remaining hope in this tragedy is to find Julian King alive. Aunt Jennifer posts a $100,000 reward, while Mother Julia sends out an emotional plea to the kidnapper. Julia holds a press conference at her church and begs for the return of her boy. All I ask, I don't care who you are, just let my baby go, please. If your beef is with me, then take it out with me. He's seven. Let my son go, please. That's all I ask. I won't ask him to identify you all. I just want my son. That's all I have to say. Please just let my baby go. Alicia Quarles, former entertainment editor for the Associated Press, picks up the story when news of the Hudson murders and child abduction goes viral. You thought, if there's any silver lining in this terrible situation, Julian's alive somewhere, he's alive, he's going to be okay. Chicago detectives return to the interrogation room to confront William Balfour. We have a little problem, amigo. We didn't hear if you walked past. First, they challenge his story about traveling home using his Chicago Transit Authority, or CTA card. He claimed to use a CTA card to get on these trains and buses. And that card was sent to the CTA investigators to determine if that card was indeed used during that day for that travel. It was not. The Chicago Transit Authorities also review the train platform video cameras from that morning. There was no video of William Balfour being on that platform, getting on that train. He told the police he got on. Preliminary cell phone reports also contradict Balfour's increasingly shaky alibi. Pings off of local telephone towers on his cell phone records to determine that he wasn't miles away from the Hudson house at the time of the murders. He was right there in the vicinity. But it's on the phone records. Oh, you say she didn't tell you. No. I have an argument with him. You were back in that neighborhood because it went off a cell tower. By that neighborhood, your phone was pinned in that area. With the cell tower over there or something. As each of his claims is challenged, Balfour talks less. He becomes quieter at that point when they confront him that he's lying. But he still maintains his innocence. You should be slightly concerned about yourself because we've already questioned about six or seven lives. Oh, yeah, about six or seven lives. No. Without either a murder weapon or a confession, or the discovery of seven-year-old Julian King, police decide to be cautious and hold Balfour only on a parole violation. Veteran Chicago officials know a double murder conviction hinges on building a strong case for court. There was a worry that a clever defense attorney could convince a jury that the murders didn't have anything to do with William Ball for it. But priority one 
is finding Jennifer Hudson's seven-year-old nephew. Let me put it to you this way. That little boy turns up D-E-A-D somewhere. I'm going to have a problem. The Hudsons are rocked by two savage killings. Jennifer's mother, Darnell, and brother Jason have been murdered in their family home. And sister Julia's son, Julian King, is still missing. When we see people in the movies and on TV, we, we, we're inviting them into our homes. They become part of our family. So when something really terrible happens to them, we feel for them in a way that isn't like the way we feel towards strangers. It's more like a family member or a friend has been harmed. To make matters worse, Julia's estranged husband, the ex-con William Balfour, is under suspicion by Chicago police. He was a very jealous and controlling individual who could not tolerate that his wife was moving on. For two days following the Hudson murders, Chicago officials searched for the missing Julian King and Jason Hudson's stolen SUV. Amber alerts go out, urgent pleas are made on television. Everybody's looking for Julian. The city held their breath. Then the police received the tip they've long been waiting for. Jason Hudson's stolen SUV has been spotted. The vehicle ultimately was found because of a little dog. It started barking, so the owner took note, like, oh wait, what's this white car SUV? This could possibly be the SUV that's been on the Amber Alerts, has been everywhere, the one they're looking for. Chicago police quickly descend upon the stolen SUV. They carefully examine the interior and make a shocking discovery. Inside the SUV, they find underneath a shower curtain, the body of seven-year-old Julian King, shot twice in the head, execution style. After cops locate Julian, the Chicago community, Hudson fans, and others worldwide are devastated by the news. When people heard that Jennifer Hudson had lost her brother and her mother, that was tragic enough. But a few days later, to add the, the little boy, it just went straight to people's hearts. For Chicago police and prosecutors, finding the child in Jason's SUV points directly to prime suspect, Balfour who had access to the stolen keys. The SUV also provides two big clues pointing directly to Balfour's guilt. One, its close proximity to the home of Balfour's girlfriend. And two, the position of the driver's seat. Jason Hudson was a big guy. He was over 400 pounds. The front seat of Jason Hudson's vehicle was pushed all the way up. Close enough somebody who was very skinny and very short to hit the gas pedal and the brake pedal. Based on these findings, the police conduct a nearby search for the murder weapon. A brilliant uh, Chicago police sergeant who came up with this idea to do an expansive search between William Balfour's girlfriend's apartment and where this white SUV with the child was found the gun was uh, discovered by a young police recruit. The weapon found is the same 45, stolen from the Hudson home. 
That gun was taken to the Illinois State Police Crime Lab to be analyzed, and scientists at the crime lab found that that gun, to the exclusion of every gun in the world, was the murder weapon that killed Darnell Donerson, Jason Hudson, and Julian King. On December 1, 2008, William Balfour is formally arrested. The charges in this case included triple murder, home invasion, aggravated kidnapping, a residential burglary, and possession of a stolen motor vehicle. The case against Balfour hinges mostly on circumstantial evidence. There are no fingerprints or DNA found either on the weapon or in the SUV. Juries like scientific evidence. They, they like DNA. They like physical proof of guilt. And there was not a single iota of that here. William had managed to do this crime without leaving any of himself behind. The murder trial against William Balfour begins in 2012. Since these crimes involve Jennifer Hudson and her family, the courthouse becomes a media circus. This was a tremendous international story. It was, it was a story that upset people globally. Inside the courtroom, prosecuting District Attorney Jim McKay walks the jury through the events of October 24, 2008, using witness testimony to support the forensic evidence. Around 8 o'clock in the morning, Balfour was standing outside of Julia Hudson's bedroom window, watching her get dressed. She ushers him into the house. Once inside uh, Julia Hudson's bedroom, he sees that Julie had received Sweetest Day balloons and flowers from another gentleman. This upset William Balfour greatly. They got into a marital argument. Julia needed to get to work that morning, so the two of them left the house together. Minutes later, the killer returns to the front door of the Hudson home, holding Jason's stolen 45. He shot into that door. Darnell Donerson is running down the hallway. She shot in the back and again on the side after she fell. Within feet of where Darnell Donerson was shot was Jason Hudson's bedroom. Jason was asleep in bed. He was shot twice in the head. Julian is kidnapped. Shortly thereafter, either there on Yale Avenue or on the west side where the vehicle was ultimately abandoned, Julian was killed by that very same gun. Of the more than 80 prosecution witnesses called to testify, actress Jennifer Hudson goes first. Uh, she is what we call a life and death witness. She is a surviving member of the family that would testify about the family members that were murdered in this particular case. In addition to that, Jennifer helped explain the dislike that she, her mother, and her brother Jason had for William Balfour. Jennifer made it clear she never liked William. She wanted to leave the room every time William was in the room, and she had never done anything but tell her sister to get rid of him. Witness after witness comes forward to corroborate the prosecution's case against Balfour. The Balfour trial was one of those unique cases that had so many compelling pieces of circumstantial evidence that any one of them standing alone wouldn't amount to much, 
But when you put so many of these pieces of evidence together, the evidence of guilt was overwhelming. It's like having a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, which one, one piece, you look at it, you don't see what the picture is. But when you put it all together, you know exactly what the picture is. Despite his pleas of innocence, Balfour never takes the stand in his own defense. It takes the jury just 18 hours to deliver a verdict of guilty. Uh, the jury found the defendant, William Balfour, guilty of all three murders. The murders were Darnell Donerson, Jason Hudson, and Julia King. For the Hudson murders, Balfour is given three consecutive life sentences. And Judge Charles Burns has these harsh words for the defendant. You have the heart of an Arctic night, and your soul is as barren as dark space. Justice was done, clearly, in our minds, uh, and I suspect the surviving members of the Hudson family felt the same way. In memory of the fallen, Jennifer and Julia Hudson established foundations to serve underprivileged families in Chicago. Today, Jennifer Hudson continues to be a major creative voice in film, the theater, and music. Her personal real-life tragedy deeply affecting her art like her 2015 appearance in the Spike Lee film Chirac, which featured her personal torment, suffered on the streets of Englewood. Forever scarred by the heartless, senseless murders of her three family members, Hudson honors her fallen loved ones by continuing to share her incredible talents with the world. I'm Harold Orvel. Next week on Murder in the Family. Donatella was Versace's muse until a serial killer took him away. She threw herself back into the Versace brand, threw herself back into everything that would have made Johnny proud. Murder in the Family. Geraldo Rivera's Murder in the Family comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To find more original programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com to find us on your system. You'll also find extras from the TV version of Murder in the Family, including chilling reenactments and crime scene photos you'll only get on Reels Channel.